Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogix. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I'm Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogix. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? Please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. This week, I'd like to introduce you to Tom Newwin. Tom is the founder of CAFE, a workplace engagement platform that helps companies optimize in-person gatherings and improve workplace culture. Tom's background is in software development and B2C apps and has been instrumental in building a high adoption rate for his solution. Hey, Tom. Welcome to Let's Get Real. Really happy to have you as a guest today. I know that you are the co-founder and CEO of CAFE. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first, thank you for having me. There's not a lot to know about my background. I graduated from an engineering school. I've been working into product management for a long time, and then I launched my first company five years ago. That was a social network for teenagers. And now I've launched another venture, which is called Cafe. That's three years ago during the pandemic. That's a B2B SaaS for companies to enable hybrid organization. So, yeah, that's me. Great. So tell us a little bit more about Cafe in particular. When you and I chatted, I had asked you, you know, what was it that inspired you to build Cafe? Well, it was more a personal problem than a global inspiration. Um, so for the context, I'm French uh, and I've launched this company with my older brother as a co-founder. And basic thing that happened is that we were both managers in the same company. We wanted to go back to the office when the first lockdown like was finished, which was, which was in Europe about like summer to 20. So we only got locked down for three months in a row. And when we wanted to go back and our teammates wanted to go back, everybody wanted to be less in the office than before. So maybe once or twice every week. So there was no easy way to find out what was the best day together. And this is just how we started Cafe, trying to, to solve that specific problem and then iterating over the problems to understand the bigger picture. So how is your, the Cafe solution different from like, uh, you know, a booking system? So the biggest difference is that it was more a signaling app. Uh, you could input your schedule for the two upcoming weeks and telling your coworkers and teammates where you'll be working from. So when you will be in the office working remotely, not working or from a co-working space, for example, and that enables you to compare plans and meet on specific days, making sure that you show up on the right days. Interesting. I'm just thinking about like uh, the whole signaling thing, which I think is really interesting. So as we think about work in general, and just kind of what are some of the challenges that people are now facing as a result of everything that's going on in the world of work? Like, I mean, it just feels like every angle of work is being disrupted. What would you say are some of the bigger issues when it comes to how people now want to work in comparison to how we used to work before as part of a regular routine? Well, when, when we think about the pre-pandemic world, office was just the default option. So there was not a lot of space to just optimize for your personal life and just optimize for your commute time, for example. So I think that 
the hybrid mode and remote work just brought a lot of flexibility and comfort in terms of like when you will like show up to the office and not come just work comfortably from home. So I think there was a big shift thanks to remote on the productivity aspect. Um, there's a lot of like studies that show that people are like quite productive at home, but the downside of it is that people are also feeling more lonely and more isolated towards the whole like um, organization and, co- and the, the company. And I think that's where it's interesting because most companies are seeing that new hybrid model and remote work as an opportunity to or a station, like we're a station in the office than like employees, which is possible, right? Like you can ha- like go down to a ratio of like 0. 0.8, 0. 0.7, maybe 0. 0.6 um, based on the total number of uh, employees. But in the end, you're not going to save like money on your space because you need to rethink your workplace and the whole purpose of your office to be attractive. And I think this is maybe where like a lot of people are, are just getting misguided on this is that we're not going to just save money on real estate. We need to just redesign the whole experience. And so you have like all the productivity time, which is the focus time when you're working comfortably, working from home, but you need to also have the the part of, of your time that's dedicated to collaboration and creative sessions, which should be in person. And And that balance is hard to find. And this is where I think most companies are struggling today and in the next like maybe two or five years. It's interesting because one of the things that I've recently started to think about is, you know, with the advancement of hybrid and just the thinking of what are the different work styles that we think about now? Like most companies think about either you're working in the headquarters, so basically the company office, or you're working from home. But the reality is there's so many variables in those two opposite ends of the spectrum because working in in office can mean working in a headquarters, could be working in a co-working space, it could mean working in a partner's office or a customer's location, you know, you could be traveling, you know, remote is the opposite end, which is, you know, in traditional pre-pandemic days, remote was you were out of the country, out of the province, out of the state, and therefore you couldn't access the office, but that was your arrangement, is that you were 100% working remotely, and you came in to the office if that was a requirement, you know, once a year, once a quarter for quarterly meetings. Then you had work from home, which was, again, it was a, the proximity was there that you could go to the office, but you were basically assigned to working from home the majority of the time. And then there was all of that in between, right, in terms of the variables of when you come into the office, when you don't go into the office. And having been uh, one who worked that way, I mean, I, I sort of worked on both ends of the spectrum. One of the things that I found that was really interesting was the coordination effort, right? So when you're working in a traditional office setting, you don't really think about who am I working with today or what am I going to do today? You just go to the office and you figure it out as you go. But when you're working in a remote setting, working from home, any time that you're not in that regular routine of going to the office every day, you need to be proactive about the working. And, and for me personally, the I think the biggest pain point was the coordination of schedules. And, and even then, even when you coordinated on a day that everybody was going to be in the office, you still had on the day of people saying, oh, I can't make it today because something came up or whatever. And so all the plans really got messed up. So how does this solution help that? Like, is it still 
based on helping the coordination of who's going to be there? Like I'm trying to understand the angle. Is it more just the awareness of who's in the office to kind of nudge people to be to be there? Or is it more around the coordination of the team, so to speak? Yeah, so it's definitely important and necessary to have access to like the information, like what, what we call like location management. It's like who's where. Because now you need to be intentional in the way that you're going to meet with people because office is not the default option. You need to know beforehand who will be showing up on which day so you can optimize for high value moments and just meet in person. Um, and especially today, because there is no one fits all when it comes to hybrid. There isn't like one thing that works for all the companies, but you can yeah. find like two sorts of hybrids. Um, the first one is the flexible hybrid and the second one is the strict hybrid. The strict hybrid is basically companies asking people to come back three days a week to uh, the office. So you can think of Apple, you can think of Amazon, you can think of like a lot of companies that just announced this. Especially what's super strict about it is that you have a number of office of office days plus you have strict office days. So it's a team day, which is all the marketing folks are showing up on Tuesday, all the IT folks are showing up on Thursday, and that's very, very, very bad for the company. Why? Just because it doesn't mix people together. It means that only the same folks from the same department will be able to show up, connect, and just build a relationship. But then it means that with other departments, it's just reinforcing the silos. And so the idea of what we're building is that you need to know who's where ahead of time. And you also need to know who's who. So who is part from which department? But then how do you get... um you just acknowledge each other from a non-word related topic. So everything that's social, um, you can think of like who speaks which languages, who likes to do which kind of hobby sports and how do you create connection on a like interest based level or just helping people to show up on the right days is also not just with the list of your teammates, but maybe your favorite people. So people from other departments that you'd like to hang out with because maybe you just like to have lunch together or just have a coffee break or water cooler moments, whatever. And so the idea of cafe in the beginning was how do I make sure that people are showing up and make the workplace attractive again? Because the workplace experience is something new. As you said, in the old world, we were just showing up because that was the default action. Now, it's more like a theater, like a movie. I need to plan my trip to the office ahead of time and say, oh, there's something I like on that day. I will show up. I, I, I'm deciding and I'm intentional in my choice uh, that I want to show up on that day because maybe someone's here. Maybe something's happening, like an event or something. And, and that's where it's the biggest change from the new like way of working and the old mm -hmm. way is that now you, people have choice. They have the flexibility of selecting what days matters the most to them because it's a people first experience. Now you, you need to offer something to the employees and to the end users, because what's unique for me as an employee to show up to your offices, if I don't get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally agree with that. Um, I like the reference that you made to the, um, the high value moments. I think that, that kind of really sort of hit the nail on the head. So I have a question to ask you. We've been hearing a lot as of late, you know, depending on who you're talking to in the corporate real estate industry, uh, you know, if you're talking to like design firms, if you're talking to furniture vendors, brokers, even like just companies themselves, there's this 
feeling or this this idea that that companies can actually create the high value moments. To me, it feels that based on what you're saying, and I completely agree, is is that it's people driven, right? You can't design a space to create high value moments because those interactions can technically happen anywhere. They don't necessarily have to be just in the headquarters. Going back to what I was saying before is people can meet anywhere. And so is there is there a value or a push uh, for this type of interaction to happen in the headquarters in your in what you're experiencing? And why do you think that that might be the case or not? I, I think that based on the, just our previous conversation about like remote and in person, people can can totally like create relationship like virtually. We've been doing so for like years now since like the pandemic. It's just it's it's different when it happens in person. And mm-hmm. and I, I think also the the problem is a lot of uh, folks just like looked at the problem from a space perspective, like the visible part of the iceberg is that you either have like empty spaces with like ghost town and nobody's here, or you have some companies that have like less seats than people and they are struggling with overcapacity, but there is no in between. And so that was the first problem that everybody rushed like into. It's like, how do I solve my space problem? But if you dig into that and you just look at the invisible part of the iceberg, it's all about people. It's all about interaction, connections, and how do I create those relationships? And the fact that you can create relationships at distance virtually, it's just less impactful because we're social creatures. We're human beings, right? Like something is different when it's in person. I'm not saying that I promote like 100% like in-person connection. I think that that would be silly, but it's just different. So how can we optimize for those high value moments that are done in person to just improve the sense of belonging within like the, the, the experience of that employee, like within the corporate world, because we know that like, like having people that don't like just relate to the company mission and value and DNA just creates disengaged employee and disengaged employee are just like, like two times like higher churn rates. So I think if we're just looking at this problem from the lens of people, like employees and users, you just very quickly understand that this is never going to be about space, but it's all about how do I design my space to optimize for X, which can be creative sessions, which can be collaboration, which can be like all those new things that we're doing in the office that we weren't doing um, three years ago. So when you talk about space and the value of interactions, I sort of look at it a little bit differently just because if I think about the small company, whether it's a startup or companies that are under, let's say, 1,500 employees, 2,000 employees that are all in, you know, one city center, maybe in a building or in a metro area where you've got multiple buildings, but you're generally in the same city area, then the in-office experience, there's value to that because the people are all able to basically connect in person. When you work for a larger company that has a global presence, national presence, international presence, you know, you're basically going across the borders. Often your teams are decentralized, like you're not all in the same city or in the same location. And so this type of interaction is part of your day to day. And I think that's really where a lot of the debate around 
you know, whether you're talking about mentoring or developing relationships or networking or all of that stuff, it's like it depends on the perspective that you're looking at it from is, is that if your experience has only been in the vicinity of other people, then, yeah, that's going to be high value for you. But when you've worked for an organization where you have no choice, right, you need to work with you know, someone that's in another country in a different time zone or whatever, and you work with that person on a regular basis, that relationship isn't any less valuable than the person that you potentially can walk into an office and sit down and work with. You still can work effectively together. And so it's interesting to me that, you know, the the arguments of coming to the office and sort of the value of relationships and really what is that underlying value of the relationship itself which I think goes back to what you were saying at the beginning is when you're making the decision as to what draws you in to go to a place, right? It's not because I can collaborate better or meetings are more effective or whatever. There's a reason why. And usually that reason is is driven by the individual and sort of that what's in it for me, right? So if it's you know, you want to develop a stronger relationship with that person, maybe if it's a work relationship, because from a career perspective, you know, by you having those in-person interactions, it allows you to, you know, move ahead. Some people say that's, you know, not necessarily a good thing, because if you're always working remotely, that you're not going to have the same uh, opportunities available to you, which I completely disagree with, because I personally have experienced that working 100% remote uh, sorry, not experience that working 100% remote and opportunities are just as, you know, uh, available to me as they are to the people who come in, come into the office. So again, it all comes down to the organization that you're working for and how that information or how those opportunities get uh, presented to people. But I think the whole concept of people making the decision uh, is really what's important here, right? Is, is that in as much as companies whoever it is that's involved in creating the experience in or trying to create the experience in the workplace. It's that sort of that old idea of build it and they will come. Like you've probably heard, you know, how can you entice people to come back to the office or what can you do to, you know, to attract people? And so I sort of have been thinking as of late is, you know, are we building space building? And I use that in sort of a generic term, but are we building or rebuilding the workplace for the future to entice and to attract, or are we building it to basically align with how people actually want to work? What ultimately it's the people that decide when, where, and who they want to work with, right? Which I think is really what the future of work really is all about. It's not something that you can you can shape and form. Yes, you have to provide the venue, if you will, but the venue, even the definition of the venue of where you meet. I mean, I know I know your team, for example, I, you know, Danielle and I have talked a couple of times and, you know, she's always on a plane traveling somewhere. Like she t- tells me about, you know, the fact that she gets together with your team and, and stuff. And so it's kind of like, OK, she's in in the U.S., you're in France, but you enable that type of interaction that people can still feel connected to the brand. Now, that's a small company. Right. So is that something that medium size to larger size companies can do on a more regular basis? Like from your perspective, what do you think? Yeah, then it also changes a lot from a company to another based on like how they are structuring like their like workforce. For example, in our case, we only hire company like employees, sorry, in in two cities. So in in order to make people be able to meet each other at least once a week. So it's basically an 80-20 like model. It's like 
we meet once a week for all like the creative sessions and brainstorming and just collaboration. And then four days is all about production and just shipping. And everybody knows their priority because they've met once a week. But when you're looking for a larger like company, you don't, well, you want to attract people, but not just to make their workplace attractive. You want to give value to, to users, to employees. Like you want to, to give them something that's worth the trip because nobody wants to do like 45 minutes in the subway to just end up showing up and nothing's like is valuable for them when they show up. And also you need to think about the workplace as a very strange new place where people will not like all of them like be here on the same days. And also there is another thing, which is there is different generation that are in the workplace today, you can think of like four to five generation and the leadership team of like most companies doesn't really value the experience of the younger people. So a lot of people like they've just graduated, they've never like step a foot into any workplace and they've just like been working virtually their whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely not the same experience and they're not looking for the same thing compared to someone that's, I don't know, 40 years old that has kids and that's been in the company for five years, right? I I think this is also why the workplace needs to be redesigned and just question about the purpose of that company, of that, like, workplace. Just because people are not looking for the same thing. Not everyone is looking for the same thing when it's, like, about the workplace experience. And, yeah, you, you need to also take account of that. That's a great point. I think that there's definitely truth to that. So what is it in in your own words that you think, you know, the younger generations are looking for in the workplace experience? Workplace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of logical to me, but it's just when you join a new company as someone that's 22, 23 years old, you want to expand your network and grow and learn from people and that's harder to to do like remotely that's possible but it's just it's harder to connect and create that uh just relationship when it's fully remote so yeah i I, there's a lot of studies but one of the first one is just creating relationship with managers and just mentors and and just growing growing network growing like skills and all that but do you think do you think that that for lack of a better word, habit or behavior is the proper word, um, is because you're basically being forced to conform to what or how work has been predefined. Like I often think about the younger generation, so people who have gone through university and even the younger kids that are currently in high school that have not yet stepped foot in an office, you know, they see their parents or the experience of their parents working maybe in an office and maybe as of late in the last five, 10 years, maybe where flexibility kind of started to become a little bit more uh, mainstream, where then they make a decision for themselves around the type of experience that they need to have because their entire life, almost from like when they're born, is completely digital or for the most part digital. So you hear, for example, of how, you know, the impact of, for example, working from home takes away from building social skills and sort of like just more, you know, human skills as you as you develop, which is true if you're coming at it from 
the standpoint of, well, you speak that way because that's what your experience was like. You're, it's hard to imagine what it's like to have how you do that when you're not in person, right? So it's kind of like you look at it from the framework of how you how you perceive how you build relationships. You go on the flip side, like the younger kids, for example, I have a nephew who's, I think he's eight years old, so, you know, plays Roblox and all those games online. And he's got like virtual friends, right, that they collaborate on what they're going to do on Roblox. They've never met, but it's a pretty freaking amazing to watch how they interact with each other to basically achieve something. Like to me, that's almost like training ground for the future of, of work, right, is you have a goal. And then everybody comes together, whether they know each other or not, that has a similar goal and works together to achieving whatever that that goal is. And then you have the in-between, right? So it's you, you come out of that world that you're completely virtual, you're comfortable with, it's fun, it's whatever it is. And then you transition into the working world, which is, okay, now you got to get serious because you have to conform to how things work in the working world based on an old school mentality. Right. So that's the part that I think is is really where the, the debate happens, is that if you're talking about work in the traditional sense of how you develop those relationships and how you, you know, you move on in your career, you know, climb the corporate ladder, like all of that stuff that is very old school in thinking. Is that something that the younger generation still wants or is that something that the current generation of workers is saying to the younger generation this is how you succeed in the world of work. But to me, it feels like the world of work for the younger generation, the concept of work is very different for the younger generation coming into it because of the digital skills that they have. Like, like give you an example, like there's things that, you know, the younger kids that are coming out of school, whether they are educated in computer tech or not, can do things way more efficiently than some of the older generations in the workplace that, they can accomplish a task in a quarter of the time that it takes someone else who doesn't have those skills to do stuff, right? And so it's kind of like, well, yeah, I can, I mean, I hear, hear this from like my daughter's 30 years old. So I hear it from her friends all the time. It's like you go into the workplace and you're, you're watching how the older generation does stuff and you're like, you know, oh, you know, you use this tool, you can get it done in, you know, a fraction of the time. And she's like, it's so like dinosaurish, like the way that the workplace is, but that's the way that they want people to work. And so when you think of it from that perspective, it's like there's the digital element of working and then there's the conform to how work needs to be done in order to keep the idea of work and workplaces alive. And those are two totally different camps. Yeah, I think the the skills part of the new generation is very interesting just because the way that we're learning skills and that we're looking at just the whole career is completely different. People don't, I think, most of the new generation and a lot of like studies and research are just proving that people want to have more freedom and flexibility. And that also means to not just be in the same company during their whole life, or at least not not spending more than, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years in the same place, because they want to grow, they want to just try new things and get challenged and, and stuff. And and that also is linked to skills. The fact that like new generation are learning how to learn skills easily and not just be stuck into one position and one skill set during their whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely linked with the fact that they want to grow their like skill set network and like career, but not from a like 
one company standpoint, not just within the same company, but across different experiences, across different organization, and maybe different departments, maybe different companies, um, but just not getting stuck into some places. And that means you need to, to create those bridges, to create those opportunities within the company and across companies to just build something for your own. I think the point that you make about um, the growth opportunity is an interesting one for sure. Um, we've talked about this in the past where people do want to cross-pollinate, right? So the interest in career path, you know, what you want to do, how you want to evolve your career uh, is goes beyond sometimes the offering of just one particular company. I mean, the days of people being, you know, loyal to one company for their entire career, like our parents were, you know, has long gone, right? People will go in, you know, work at a company, pick up some experience, whatever, and then, you know, they'll learn about something else and they'll move on to something. So you might get people that are, you know, turning every two to three years. I mean, that's kind of, I think, what it, where it's at right now. You don't get people that stay in companies for, you know, 10 years plus anymore. It's very, very rare unless there's a reason. And usually the reason is, Linked to like a, you know, you get a, a pension or a retirement fund of some kind or something that, you know, you're set, you're set for life that you'd be crazy to leave, uh, to leave the organization. But I think it's, it's just that. And it's funny too, because I've been thinking also as of late is, is the future of work more self-directed, right? So where, you know, it's the employ, the whole concept of employment, permanent employment sort of phase and you then become able to work for multiple organizations and choose the type of work that you want to do and who you want to do that work for, uh, that that becomes potentially what the future of work is for, for the younger generations, because there's more interesting people, there's more interesting things that you can do in your career, there's that constant learning, because you're not always in the same world, so to speak. And so it addresses many of the challenges that are being you know, talked about right now that are, you know, problems for organizations. And as we said at the beginning, there's a lot of a lot of issues that need to be worked through uh, in the company. But I wanted to ask you, so so thinking about, so again, going back to like the the application itself of CAFE and sort of who the users are, which are obviously the employees in the company that are indicating who are they connecting with. Is there a data output from that solution and what kind of data is available and how do companies uh, use it? So we bring three kind of data sets that's very interesting and I think also not really available uh, on the market right now. So the first one is the, the most popular. It's everything about location. So how much are offices like used and all the different subspaces within the workplace and what's the, the status rates or how are people their adoption with the product and making sure that just the data are relevant. So that's mm-hmm. the first part. But then it enables us to have a lot of like social data to understand how many events are created, how many random coffee chats are being made, uh, what are the top events with the most attendees or the most active workplace if you compare one to another. So each workplace has its own like kind of like scoring when it comes to social activities. And that helps the whole organization to understand how they can improve the different workplace experience from one workplace to another. And also understanding like what are the top events and activities that are performing compared to another. So that's the social information. So it's bringing both information to 
the workplace leaders and teams, but also the HR and people teams, because you can monitor your like remote or hybrid policy with the um, office ratio number of office days that's being done. Because even if you have a flexible model when it comes to hybrid, you still want to understand like what are the population that shows up the most based on their department or the based on like the usual offices they're like going most of the time and having that breakdown helping you understand what's the percentage of your population and audience that's fully remote or remote first or hybrid or office first or usually going to co-working space and stuff really helps you narrow down like how is your workforce distributed and how is it structured so you can better understand how to make changes so it brings value to like HR functions, workplace function, but also managers, because each manager has access to a specific amount of data based on their own like, teammates and departments. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really divided this into three levels uh, to make sure that everyone can get the right amount of value out of the solution. That's pretty cool, actually. Um, just thinking about like the the amount of detail that you can get about how people are working together and where they're working. And I think that's probably the most, at least from my perspective, is the most valuable because right now there definitely is a gap in the marketplace around visibility uh, outside of the office, right? So if you are in an office setting, or at least most of the solutions are focused on activity that happens inside the traditional workplace office. And so if your employees are going to a coffee shop or they're going to a co-working space or they're, you know, choosing to meet over lunch or whatever, you know, number one is you don't know who's meeting with who unless they're putting it in a calendar and don't know that people would actually put stuff like that in their in their calendar because calendars are usually for more of those structured formal uh, formal meetings to have that level of visibility of, OK, when people are working, uh, what is the the gist of the activities that are actually taking place where, you know, the uh, work is actually occurring. So, again, going back to what I said at the beginning is you've got the idea that you're either working in the office in the headquarters or you're working from home. But the reality is, is that there's there's a slew of other places that people can actually be connecting with each other that is not actually something that companies are aware of. And that's in, that. what's interesting about that is that that was true long before the pandemic. You know, you probably heard the metrics of, you know, occupancy before the pandemic was at best maybe 60%, you know, because of the fact that people traveled for work, people worked at partner uh, customer sites. You know, if they were in sales, they did, they worked at, you know, restaurants and, and coffee shops and whatever they're meeting with, with clients. You had, you know, all kinds of sort of alternatives that of places that people were actually working from. And so that's where that 60% number comes from because 40% of the people were working outside of the office on a regular basis as part of their job. Plus obviously the PTO aspect because you'd never be at a at a hundred percent. With a solution like this that really surfaces the reality of the distribution of work, which I think is the aha moment that most organizations need is to say, what is our reality, which will help then companies make the decision around, okay, well if you know we're distributed and we're only using the office twenty percent, thirty percent of the time for this type of interaction it will lead to decisions about real estate in the sense of 
well, do we need as much real estate as we need? Or can we take some of the cost savings to basically reinvest in programs that allow for employees to tap into some of these other areas, right? So one of the things that I've been thinking about is, I mean, if you think about the fact that you've got, you know, let's say an average cost of eight to $9,000 per employee per desk. This, again, is pre, pre-pandemic times traditional office setting, and that's being pretty conservative because the cost could go up depending on the city center that you're in. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you're learning that, okay, people aren't coming into the office. They're still working. They're just finding other places to work from. So the company has an opportunity to save this money. Uh, you know, could that some of that money be sort of funneled to the employees to enable them to tap into these other locations where you're still valuing the relationship and the the networking and all the things that comes from the people interaction without being so hooked on the physical office, right? That's kind of, you know, where I'm sort of seeing the future of work going is, is that it becomes a permission, if you will, or, a, you know, a, where access is granted to you based on funds that are provided to you to allow you to be able to go and use alternative places to work from with the people that you choose to work from because there's value in working with those people that then entices you to leave your home, right, and to connect with people in person, and you're being enabled by the company that you work with to do so, right, which it sounds like that's kind of where where CAFE is at right now, is you're enabling people to want to connect because they can choose the people that they want to actually work with, where there's high value to them to bring those people together, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a good mix of ownership, flexibility and transparency. And this is how you create just a positive employee experience where people are actually feeling that they're empowered to do what they do best, which is work, but also are empowered to have social opportunity to connect and to grow because the the employee experience is not like 100% about work, but it's also about how do I engage the workforce and help people just feel like they belong to a group not just within their own like inner circle of collaboration, like direct teammates, but also what about the social ties and weak ties across the organization that in the end are um, helping with collaboration, uh, informal chats and all that communication. But this is done through the lens of like community interest group and not just working groups. Is that kind of information, in your opinion, considered nice to know information for organizations or is it a need to know information? You know, who's working with who, the the social interactions that are occurring? The idea is not really to give that like information directly to the, um, the managers or admins. The idea is more to enable those like connections and bridges between people and mm-hmm. just have access to that information of like, who are the folks in my like San Francisco office or like Austin office that are uh, interested into yoga and how can I connect with those group of people that we yeah. share the same interest to organize an event um, together, which is like an after work yoga session on Thursday. So I know that if I show up on Thursday, I will be able to connect with like-minded people for a specific activity with um, maybe some folks that I've never met before. Um, and this is how you create um, a better network internally. So 
it's not even about like a top down approach, but it's all about bottom up and having like those like organic gathering that are like those meetups are like self organized. And this is how you give ownership to like employees is by letting right. them organizing themselves too. So is the app geared towards the end user or is it through like basically are you selling to the end user directly or are you going to the organization to offer that as a as a benefit? We do both. The the best case that can happen is that end users are just like using the product because we have a free plan that's unlimited seats like Slack or Notion. And like users are just using it. They're like very sticky with the product. And then when that like is the case, we can go at like companies and say, hey, you have X number of users using it. We're seeing that those numbers are pretty good. Uh, we should talk. So right. it's more like it's it's not just a top down approach where like end users are feeling that they're forced to use something. They are in that phase where they can kind of choose how they want to shape their employee experience based on once again value. Like if they're getting mm-hmm. value out of the product, there's no question about adoption or stickiness or engagement with the tool because they they see the value out of the product directly. Right. It, it's right. It's just as simple as this. Like if you want to have a super sticky product experience, you just need to bring value to the end users. That, I guess, then leads to the next question, which I think is kind of answered that way. Is I was going to ask about like the whole information gathering process and, you know, the concerns that most organizations present with respect to privacy. Right. So if you've got users that are, yeah. you know, uh, sharing interests or things like that, you know, about who they are in sort of under the umbrella of work, you know, how do users feel about about that? That information either, you know, it's it's my personal information. If it's a, you know, a B2C app, it's kind of like I, I choose to use like a Facebook, whatever is because it's my personal account and I can do whatever I want versus something that is under the umbrella of a company that then the company potentially has access to information about me. Do you do you run into challenges like that when it comes to uh, privacy um, information and, and sort of what kind of data you can actually surface to organizations? Yeah. So it's not really happening just because all the data is declarative data and all the users choose whether they want to share anything. And so right. what's happening in the end is that people that want to be social are going to share social information about themselves. People that don't want to be social, they won't share information about themselves. It's like in the like previous world of work, like some folks in right. the workplace were social and just sharing information about themselves. Some people were just here for the work and that's okay. We cannot force and we won't force anyone to just be like extroverts when they're not and just to create connection at all costs. It's not the goal and the end mission. The end mission is just mm-hmm. letting people connect if they want to and provide with a safe and transparent place where they can do so. Fantastic. Tom, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, any final uh, remarks, Dorian? Well, it was a great conversation. I think we've talked about all the problems linked to space and the employee experience. Um, I think if there was like uh, one thing that would be very interesting for maybe another discussion would be maybe with someone else in your podcast is really talking about like how that new way of work is impacting cross collaboration just because the connection of individuals 
is today not that affected within like a group of like teammates, but across yeah. the organization. When, when you're looking at the organizational like structure and social behaviors, it's really, really, really hard to just create the bridges between the group of people that you, most of the time are not just like connecting or talking to each other. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges of all companies is building those bridges before those islands are just going away from each other.